Hey everyone, this is Denise Ristari, and if you're looking to buy a new or used car, check out True Car. There's something about True Car a lot of people don't know, and that's that using True Car can help you buy a used car. In fact, there are over 700,000 pre-owned vehicles available from True Car certified dealers nationwide. So whether you're looking to buy a new or used, you can get upfront pricing information that empowers. You get discounts off the list price for used cars and a better buying experience through our True Car certified dealer network. Here are three things you need to know about True Car. One, there are over 700,000 pre-owned vehicles available from True Car certified dealers nationwide. Two, with the True Car pricing curve, you'll see what other people paid for the exact car you want so you can know what a fair price is and feel confident. And three, with True Car, you can connect with a local certified dealer, a human being that you can actually meet with of your choosing so you can enjoy a quick and easy buying experience. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, Visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. The following program is a Forbes and Podcast One production. Hi, I'm Denise Ristari, and you're listening to Mentoring Moments, a podcast where smart, witty, and bold women are sharing their triumphs and their skids. We aren't just talking, we're taking action. And we're inviting you to join us every week in my New York City apartment. And for today, just letting you know that if you hear the sirens in the background and all the fire trucks going by, it's New York, but we're just fine. A few episodes ago, I told a story about, I had that moment of realizing that we all need a pair of red shoes in our lives because there's a different kick in our step when we have on red shoes versus black shoes, right? Black shoes kind of make us want to get to where we're going, but red shoes, we kind of dance to where we're going. So I was using that metaphor that we should all have a pair of red shoes in our lives that we step into. The next day, and I'm not making this up because you just can't make this stuff up, I'm at an event and Marie Forleo walks on stage and she's walking across the stage and she's rocking a pair of black leather pants and a fabulous pair of red shoes. So that's one of those moments where you kind of say, coincidence or is the universe speaking to me? So I'm going with the universe is speaking with me and sitting across and smiling with her wonderful smile is Marie Forleo. So, Marie, thank you for being here. I'm really happy, and we're going to have a great time. It's my honor. Thank you for having me on. So I'm going to go through a under-90-second intro of you. Tell me if I leave anything out. And I'll start with what I always think is a headline, is that Oprah, and it's, yeah, that Oprah, like there's another, said that Marie is the thought leader for the next generation. That's huge. And then she went on to say why, because Marie launched what has become a multi-million dollar life coaching business, which is no small feat. And millions of women look to Marie as their inspiration for empowerment. Now, I'll I'll break that down on how she does that. There are a few things that she does. She is a philanthropist. She's a writer. She's an entrepreneur. And she's an unshakable optimist. 
And she's really helping us all find our better lives and our better selves and our better businesses. So here's how she does that. Marie TV is an award-winning web TV show. So it's a weekly show. And if you haven't seen it, it's really, really great. You have to sign up for it. And it's filled with fun and wisdom and my favorite word, which is action. It's all about taking action. So you can get to where you're going. And then her B-School, which we will talk about more later, is an eight-week online interactive video-based training. It's a program for business owners. So once again, you can get to where you want to go to. And she's an author, a best-selling author. And her book is Make Every Man Want You which is a really intriguing title. <laughs> She's laughing. <laughs> and it's an international bestseller. And I love how Marie and I met because that ties into the philanthropy part of it. So as many of you, we've talked about it. You've heard Tammy Tibbetts on the show. I am on the board of She's the First. And at She's the First, we provide scholarships to girls in the developing world so they can be the first in their families to graduate from high school. And Marie supports She's the First. And in 2016, we honored Marie as the mentor of the year for all the great work that she's doing to support women and girls. And then I love this part, that Marie's had lots of failed, not lots, a few failed attempts at corporate life, right? So she couldn't pick just one thing that she wanted to do. She worked on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. She, I love this, she, you worked at Condé Nast Publishing, but then you choreographed hip hop for MTV. That's a little intimidating for me because I think I, think I kind of forgot how to dance. I, I, need, I need two pairs of red shoes, I think. And she was one of the world's first Nike elite dance athletes, which I'm just all of that to me is, it's all great. It's all great. And it shows just how multifaceted you are. So I'm going to start off, Marie, with a story. I was thinking this morning in the shower of what story do I want to share today? And I kept coming up with this vision of this a couple of weeks ago. I was sitting having lunch with this young woman. We'll call her Kim. She's in her 20s. And Kim said, we were talking about, what do you want to do in life? And Kim said, you know, and she kind of shrugged her shoulders and she said, I think, I don't know, I'm going to let I'm just going to let it happen. Whatever happens, I'm going to let happen. Just like you did, Denise. And I thought, hmm, I did that. I got on this train that I really didn't know where it was going. But I wasn't shrugging my shoulders with that. I'll just let the universe take me where it wants to take me. So I said, I thought, I'm going to dig deeper into this. And I said, you know, I did do that. But I always had a vision I, and it wasn't, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I always knew that I wanted to meet great people. I wanted to explore. I wanted to travel and I wanted to learn. So every job I took led me in those paths. I mean, I did some crazy shit. Like when I worked at USA Today to get to Hawaii, I actually like hawked papers on the corners in Hawaii. It was a long story with my boss who listens to a lot of these podcasts. So I will throw that in the two of us. We're like, we're going to Hawaii. How are we getting there? <laughs> and FedEx had this program and it's a long story, but we actually gave out newspapers on the street corners during the day. So I thought, I'm going to ask her what it is. It's not allowing her to say, this is what I want in life. And I said, because, you know, if you don't do that, sometimes you let the future define you and you don't define your future. And I think it gets bigger than that. It's do you want to be the victim of your future or the hero of your future? And it all boiled down to she was afraid to put out there 
about what she wanted because she was fearful. She was fearful if she said it and it didn't happen, that she would be a failure. Or she was fearful that somebody would be like, really, you do that? That ain't happening. So that's the message for today that I want to put out there to kick it off with is for young women and men and all of us, that we just can't let fear get in the way. You know, lions, tigers, bears, and some people are fearful, I agree. But we just can't let ourselves be the center of what makes us afraid. So I want to kick it off and ask you, Marie, has fear gotten in your life, in your way? Definitely at times. Um, but I think intrinsically, who I am as a human being and how I was raised really developed me into a person who gets excited by new opportunities. And I think always the fear is there, wondering if it's going to fail or I'm going to flop or it's not going to work out quite right. But one of the things that I'm grateful for in my DNA is from a physical standpoint, I can't exist in a space that isn't right for me. So from a very young age, my mom taught me that each of us have this little voice inside and it will always speak to you if you're willing to listen. And that little voice will never steer you wrong. So as a little girl, she told me, you know, if you ever find yourself in a place that doesn't feel right, or you're talking to someone and something just doesn't make sense, or you get a strange feeling in your gut, you need to leave and walk away. And because I heard that message so consistently from the time I was tiny, all the way through my teenage years and going off to college, I attuned myself to be very in sync with my environment. And if something wasn't right, However, that felt to me, I removed myself. And how that began to translate in my career and in my work life is that if I start to get a feeling that something isn't right for me, it doesn't matter if I'm afraid of what's on the other side, I have to move, I have to go, I have to take action, I have to go find out um, what else is possible because it's, it's in th it, impossible for me to stay somewhere that doesn't feel right. So I kind of use that as my way to bypass fear. And you know, when it comes to fear, I feel like in my own life, if something is a little scary, I always see it as exciting. And then I try and parse through, well, what am I really afraid of? And I think it's possible for all of us to get underneath our fear and start to really play out worst case scenarios and best case scenarios. And I think that's a fail point. A lot of people don't give themselves permission to say, well, what really is the worst thing that could happen? And for me, when I thought about starting um, a life coaching business at 23, which sounded insane to my logical mind, I mean, who in their right mind is going to hire a 23-year-old life coach? I didn't even hardly live. But I figured, you know what? If I give this a go and it doesn't work out, what's the worst thing that could happen? I put myself through college largely by bartending and waiting tables, I could always go back and do that. And I knew I was hardworking and driven. And so the worst thing that would happen was really a bruise of my ego, you know, not going to really wind up on the streets because I'm a hard worker and I'd figure out some way to, to make everything happen. But I think a, a really useful tool for people is to walk yourself through what is the ultimate worst case scenario that could happen. And if you stare that down, you look at it in the face and you say, well, what would I do if that actually occurred? Most people realize they're so much more resilient than they even give themselves credit for. And then if you look on the other side of the continuum and you look at what's the best case scenario, you know, if I take this risk, what are the possible rewards and growth opportunities and all of the incredible uh, benefits that could possibly happen if this works out, then all of a sudden you get so excited and energized and you're able to walk into that situation with eyes wide open fully understanding the risks and the rewards, and it becomes a lot more exciting. 
I tell this story a lot. My uncle, when I was in my 20s, would always say to me, what is the worst that will happen if you make that decision? And I was thinking about moving to Atlanta. I was living in D.C. And he said, so what's D.C. will allow you back in. They're not kicking you out. You can always come back or go somewhere else. And so sometimes I think we make we put so much pressure on ourselves in the decision making process and think I take Pilates and my instructor is 31 years old. She just turned 31 and she was she was a ballerina, injured, had Pilates as part of her Um, recovery and fell in love with it and said, you know, I can't really dance anymore. And this is what I want to do and became certified. And she's really great. And as she was making extra money, a friend of her said, there's this couple that lives down the street. Their, their son is autistic and they need help with picking him up after school. And they need somebody who's a really kind person to work with their son. So she was like, well, I can do that. I'm a really kind person. So she picked him up after school and she just fell in love with this little boy. And so she said to her friend, you know, I'm going to ask his parents if they want to, if They want him to do Pilates because I really think that could help him. That could really help him get centered and really breathe and really take him to a different level. So she started doing that and they told other people and they told other people. And now she has this great business built on helping kids who are autistic as well as kids with other disabilities. And she said the other day, I'm going to say it because I want this to happen. And I believe that I have to make it happen, but I'm going to say it. I'm going to have my own studio for kids with disabilities. And I said, and, and she said, and she looked at me and I said, and you're waiting for me to say, so I'm waiting for you to tell me why I shouldn't do it. And ah! I said, just the opposite. I'm telling you to go for it. Yeah. What is the worst that can happen? Yeah. And, and I think that's what we all need to know is that when you find those pieces and her love could change in 10 years from now, it's not a forever thing. Sure. Right. Um, so it's just seeing that passion in someone's eyes when they're young and saying, I'm going to go for this. That yeah. That's great. And I think um, what people should do also, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, that sounds kind of good. Don't just think through the worst case scenarios, actually write them down. I find that there is incredible transformation that happens when you take potential fears worst case scenarios from just your mind or even talking about it with a friend and start to detail them out on paper and write down, okay, if X happened, what would I do? And there's some transmission that happens when you put pen to paper that all of a sudden things become more real. You become more resourceful. You start to really think about things in a strategic way and the boogeyman goes away. It starts to lose all of its power over you. So if you find yourself in a position where you think that this might work, I would say don't just think about it, don't just talk about it, but activate it by writing it down. I think that's a great point. And now I want to hear your mentoring moment. I'm really anxious to hear your mentoring moment. Yeah. So, you know, I thought about this and uh, I'll take it on back to my first job after college. So I am the first in my family to graduate from college, the first to go to college. And it was a strain on my parents, you know, come from Italian American, New Jersey family. My parents worked really, really hard, um, to give us everything that we had, including an education. So I just graduated Seton Hall and I was working on the New York Stock Exchange and I was really grateful to have a position. And those were quite coveted positions, um, you know, back in the late nineties. It's about six months in and, uh, it was probably one of only, I don't know, very few handful of women. It was probably 99.9% men. And there was a lot of sexual harassment and it was just, uh, not a 
fun working environment. And in many ways, it was exciting to be running around and to be in the middle of the center of the financial world. But on many other levels, it was trying. And, um, you know, as a woman, I kept wanting to be taken seriously and learn and be groomed to, to rise in the ladders. And all I was getting was, you know, propositioned and let's go to the strip club and everyone's, you know, at four o'clock, it's like time to start snorting cocaine and doing shots. And it was just, it was an insane lifestyle. So get to the point where I just was feeling so sick in my soul and looking around at the people that I was working with and, and, they were fine, but you know, even though they were financially abundant, spiritually, they were bankrupt. And I knew that wasn't my path. And I knew I didn't want to be there any longer. And there was one particular day where I was just standing there in the middle of the floor doing my job and taking little papers and running over and confirming trades. And I started to have almost like a little mini panic attack, a little existential realization that what am I doing? I don't want to be here. This is awful. This is not who I am. I know I want to travel. I want to make a difference to people. I know I have more in me and and this is not it. But I had a panic going on because I had no idea what I should do. Back in those days, you could kind of take like a little five minute break and walk out. And so I told my supervisor, I said, I, I just need a five minute I'm going to head out. I'll be back in a few. And I kind of ran off the floor and out near Wall Street, um, there's a lot of churches and there's Trinity Church over there. And as soon as I got out into the open air, I just started crying because I felt like such a failure. I felt guilty because I had a good paying job. My parents had just busted their asses to help put me through college. And this is my first job and I just want to quit. I had no idea what else I was supposed to do. So I'm sitting over there and I was you know, raised Catholic. So I'm in the church and I'm praying and I don't know what's going on. And I realized I had my cell phone in my pocket. So I'm sitting on the steps and I pick it up and I'm fairly close to my parents. So I called my parents because I just felt like a horrible child and like I was failing at life. And I talked to my parents and I said, I don't know how to explain it, but I feel like I'm dying a slow death here. And I'm only here six months and I'm 21 years old and I just got out of college and I feel like I'm totally going to fail you guys and you're going to be so disappointed in me. What do I do? And my dad, my mom, they're both on the phone. My dad was mostly the one talking and he said, it's totally okay. You have to quit. He said, Ray, my parents call me Ray, you have to find something you love. You cannot stay in this job if you don't love it. I guarantee you, you're going to be fine. You've always been a hard worker. You will figure this out. But if you don't hold out and figure out what you really want to do, your life is going to be miserable. My dad was a small business owner, so I remember working with him as I grew up. And there was just this utter feeling of relief and acceptance that he gave me and that message that I was to go out and explore and not stop until I found something that I felt was a good fit for who I was as a human being. And because there was no shame, there was no blame, there was no guilt. He said, it's all good. It's all fine. Your education, you're always going to have that, but you need to go figure yourself out. And if you need to quit right now, that's what you need to do. And that moment was really a crucial turning point in my life because that little small voice inside of me was saying, you have to get out, you have to get out, you have to get out. But my logical brain was coming in to crash the party saying, you can't give up a steady paycheck. Your parents work their asses off to put you here. You don't even know what you want to do. So why are you going to quit? And that lesson of being willing to take a risk and follow my instinct, even though what was in front of me was completely uncertain, 
I didn't know what I was supposed to do. All I knew was where I was was horrible. That has served me for the rest of my career. And I still thank my dad for that conversation until this day. And I think when you're saying that, I'm thinking back like to my dad and being a parent, I have a, I do have a 23 year old daughter and thinking that sometimes what we think other people think isn't what they're thinking. It's our own heads thinking that for some reason, right? Versus what they really do think. So as you've gone through life now, how has that played out in other ways for you? Well, I think, you know, when I left Wall Street to try and figure out what the next thing I was going to do was, I had no idea. And then um, my career odyssey brought me into Condé Nast publications and into publishing. And eventually I stumbled upon this new at the time profession called life coaching. And that scared the bejesus out of me because like I said, I was 23 years old. Who the heck is going to hire a 23-year-old life coach? And again, I had a steady paycheck and no experience starting my own business. This was just when the internet was becoming like a thing. Email newsletters were totally novel. PDFs were like mind-blowing. Ebooks were like the newest thing on the scene. And so I remember uh, when I was at Condé Nast and I was at my fork in the road, I had gotten this call from HR from Vogue magazine. They wanted to give me a promotion uh, from where I was at, which was Mademoiselle. And it was really that time in my life when I said, okay, I'd known about life coaching. I know I wanted to become one. I wanted to start my own business, but I didn't feel like I was quite ready yet. That lesson of being able to jump because it felt right, even though I didn't quite know if it was going to work out and it sounded even more crazy than not even knowing what job to pursue, that whole dynamic of paying attention to what I feel inside and then saying yes to a risk it has, I feel like that's what we do and what I've done every single day, every single week, every single month. And, you know, that was another turning point to say, okay, I'm going to become an entrepreneur. I'm going to start my business. I have no idea what this means. I was completely insecure about my age because how young I was. So I kind of used the internet at that time to skillfully mask my age. I didn't lie, but I just, right. how, how did you skillfully mask it? So I, um, got headshots done at the time Um, And I had a particular haircut because uh, one of the things I did when I was on Wall Street, so I have very long hair. You have beautiful hair. Thank you. But when I was on Wall Street, I got so tired of being hit on that I gave myself a buzz cut. Not give myself. I mean, I went and had it done, but I cut off all my hair. And then eventually it was kind of like growing back and I had a bob. So when I went to get these headshots done and I looked at them, I looked about a decade and a half older than I actually was. And I was like, I'm using these right. for my website. <laughs> and so, you know, and just developing content. And in that time, it's like I got coaching clients completely who it, I had never met before. Were these companies or individuals? Individuals. Individuals. And of course, I was starting to um, gain clients from one-on-one kind of things. Like I went to Toastmasters in the city and did all kinds of networking like we all do when right. you're just getting out into the world. And I had friends that I would coach. I mean, I coached anyone in the beginning just to try and get experience and to see if I and did could you go to any classes to go sure. coaching and also yeah. you, I signed up for a three-year coaching program through coach university, which was the first. And I think one of the best, um, training institutes at that time. And they had a three-year program that I signed up for and I did it and it was, it was extraordinary. And it, it just introduced me to this whole field. It introduced me to the world of online business and virtual business and having virtual teams. So it was a really great launching point. Um, but yeah, that lesson of paying attention to a message that you get 
about making a bold move, whether it's in business or your career or your relationships, before you have evidence of how it's going to work out, I think it's one of the skills that we need to build up. And it's one of the things that has allowed me to have a very rich and fulfilling life. And I think too, you may agree or disagree, and I'd love to hear, I think it's knowing that we've got to get, we're going somewhere and the universe will take us, but we got to walk with the universe. We just don't sit in our apartments and somebody knocks on the door. Absolutely. That we've got to walk with it and be at our best and show up. Yeah. There's a mantra that I have in my life and a directive that I try and share with everyone that I get the chance to work with. And it's start before you're ready. So many of us can spend so much time, weeks and months and years potentially preparing and researching and trying to get our ducks in a row before we're ready to make the leap to do the thing that will actually create momentum and get us on the path to getting the results that we want. So starting before you're ready is this great rally cry because it gets you off your ass and it gets you in motion and learning by doing, which I think is one of the best ways to learn. It's like you can read about things all day, you can listen to podcasts, which are great and I love them and they're wonderful to get you motivated, but you've gotta get in there and do it yourself. And I think that's one of the most exciting ways to put yourself on the path. And I think, it's scary. I mean, yeah. I've done it. You've done it. It's scary. I, I've told this story before when I, one of the first panels I've ever moderated was at the Forbes Philanthropy Summit. So co-sponsored by Warren Buffett and Bill Gates, right? Following Oprah on stage, I'm moderating a panel with Melinda Gates, Diane von Furstenberg, and Jacqueline Novogratz. When Forbes called, they didn't say, have you ever moderated a panel? They said, can you moderate a panel? I said, sure, because I do speak, right? So it's yeah. not like this is I have this fear of public speaking. It was like, then I immediately called my presentation coach from like 20 years ago when I was at USA Today. And I was like, help, I, I, I just signed up to moderate this panel. And she was like, you're going to be great at it. But if I didn't do that, if I wouldn't have taken that leap, and I wouldn't have taken a leap to do something that would embarrass me or embarrass Forbes, I wouldn't do that to sure. them, right? I knew I could do it and I had time to do it. But if I didn't, and if I wouldn't have taken that leap, I wouldn't have gotten in to some of the places that I've grown into in the women's space, which is where I wanted to be. So it opened up these doors for me that would have never happened if I would have said, you know, maybe we should go to so-and-so. She's better than I am. She has more experience than I am. Yeah. Or if you believe that internal dialogue, I'm not ready yet. And I think I'm not ready yet is one of the biggest dream killers there is. And a really great way around that is just to make your battle cry start before you're ready. Pick up the phone, say yes, put yourself in the awkward, potentially embarrassing situations, the situations that terrify you. And it's amazing how you'll be able to rise to those expectations and grow. And speaking of that, and speaking of Oprah and Super Soul Sunday, did you feel you were ready? So you were on Super Soul Sunday and you were fabulous. You were, I I watched you and I said to my husband, okay, you have to watch Marie Forleo. This is great. I, I loved it. I loved it. Thank you. Well, I had been on Oprah's show Super Soul Sunday. Um, and that was a wonderful experience. And I got to really get to know her and her team much better. And I loved them and I adored them. And I had stayed in touch with them over um, the past few years. So when Sherry, I had seen at, um, they had this big premiere about belief, which was one of the uh, kind of docu-series that they created over the past few years. It was beautiful. I saw them at the premiere and she's like, hey, are you free on April 9th? And I was like, 
okay, yeah, sure. What's up? And she's like, well, we want you to come speak at super soul sessions. And I was like, that is fantastic. And it was definitely a moment of extreme excitement and total terror all at once wrapped up into one. Um, because it's like doing a Ted talk for Oprah and, um, it was really exciting. I knew I could do it. I knew it would take a lot of work and I knew I would be absolutely terrified and nervous and sick to my stomach about it, but I was really excited to take on the challenge. You were fabulous. Thank you. And we're going to get to that in a minute. I do want to touch on the B-School, your B-School, because I want to make sure we talk about that because I think it's great what you're doing. So will you tell our listeners what you're doing with B-School? Because I think it really can help young women, as it can help a lot of people get to where they want to go. Absolutely. So B-School is um, a program that I've created. It's been around since 2010. And really, I'll quickly talk about the genesis of it. When I was starting my business, and trying to go to online conferences and in-person conferences and really understand this new space of digital entrepreneurship, I found kind of a disturbing trend. 99% of the people were teaching were men. And a lot of times, this wasn't um, all across the board, but a gross generalization, so many times people were talking about their customers like they were just numbers on a balance sheet. And it was about extracting as much profit as possible. And I just didn't agree with the philosophy that was underpinning a lot of the marketing and the online marketing that I was being taught. And it wasn't my vision or my idea of what businesses could be. I felt like businesses could be good for the business owner. They could provide um, tremendous service through love and integrity to the customers. And I also felt like they could be a force for good in the world. And in my travels between teaching fitness and I was bartending and waiting tables and doing everything to get everything up and running, I noticed a trend in women that a lot of women had negative associations when it came to sales and marketing. And they had this idea or this product or service that they really believed in, but the idea of how to get it out into people's hands and figure out how to make all those things work, they wanted someone else to do that for them. They said, oh, I'm the idea person. Oh, I'm the creative person. Someone else should handle the marketing and the business. And I was like, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, the marketing and the business is the business. And it can be this beautiful expression of your love and your joy and your creativity if someone teaches you how to do it right. And there's nothing slimy or scammy or pushy or aggressive about it. You can do it completely from a place of generosity and love and integrity. And especially now using these digital tools of modern entrepreneurship, we can reach a global market for hardly anything. So I saw this huge opportunity to create small business education, not for people necessarily that want to go get venture capital or, you know, want to go get funding, but people that want to bootstrap people that want to start something on the side, or maybe they're doing something on the side and they want to take it full time, or maybe they're excited about the internet and the possibility to share their products and services with the world, but it's just so overwhelming. They don't know where to start and they're afraid to get caught in the muck. So I wanted to create a program that would pull people together and really show them how to do things right and keep it based on timeless principles so people don't get overwhelmed, but also connect people with each other. At first, B-School started out for women only. And then a lot of men kept knocking on our doors. And I said, well, my content isn't gender specific. So you guys are welcome, but you're just going to have to be able to hang out with a bunch of really smart, incredible, dynamic women. And if you can handle all that, then you're fine to come with us. But so wearing red shoes. Yeah, exactly. Red. Wearing red shoes and doing a lot of dance parties and, and having a lot of laughs as we go along and, and kind of look at our, our follies and our fails and, and celebrate our successes. So that's what B-School is. So it's a beautiful online program. We have people from across 160 industries, 119 countries, and over 30,000 graduates. Um, so it's, and this 30,000 in how many years? 
um, since 2010. So right now, we're right, the end that's of great. 2016. That's great. It's just been growing and our community is so strong. People wind up meeting business partners, best friends, you know, there's a, Hey, I'm coming to New Zealand, anyone there? And they have barbecues and parties and it's exploded into this experience and community that is quite frankly, beyond what I even initially envisioned. So B-School is really for people who want to learn how to increase their sales and their profits and run their businesses with more heart and soul and be more effective while they do it. And it's great because it was part of you growing what you're doing, right? Yes. And that's where I, that's the other part of the story I think that's so important for everyone is to say, even though I'm doing what I love doing, there's still more that I can be doing. And it might be different than how it looks now. And how do you keep exploring with those pieces that can keep your business going and helping the people that you want to help? It's, it's that constant. And I think a lot of times women look at things and say, oh, I don't want to charge for that. And there's so much more to be said about that. And we're going to do, I'm done with that. But first, check this out from Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, magazines, newspapers, everything. Just go to audible.com slash Forbes Network and browse the huge selection of audiobooks. Download a title for free and start listening. It's so easy. And I love this. There's a great listen guarantee. If you don't like it, you can swap it. I never have enough time to read all the books I want to read. And Audible solved that problem for me. Now I can listen to books while I'm cooking, walking in the park, or stuck in traffic. And next on my list to download is Hidden Figures. I love the movie and I've heard so much about the book that I cannot wait to get started. Okay, so we know you can't make more time, but you can make the most of it. So turn your commute, a walk in the park, or your workout into something more with a free trial. Go to audible.com slash Forbes Network to start now. The Forbes interview from Podcast One just launched with the king of podcasting, Adam Carolla. On February 1st, we're dropping a new show. It's called Forbes Under 30, where we talk to young entrepreneurs, hosted by me, Steve Goldblum. It's interesting because when you're a creator, that never leaves you. You always have this urge to want to create. Like, it's just who you are. You like you like to grow from Wreck-It Ralph. She knew she was a driver the whole time. That's Martellus Bennett, one of our first guests. Who knew this NFL star was also an artist? He's that and much more. Subscribe to Under 30 on iTunes now and be sure to give us a rating and a review. It's the semi-annual sale at Mattress Firm. For a limited time, get huge savings of up to $500 on our top-rated mattresses. We have more than 15 beds with over four-star ratings on sale store-wide. Like our fan favorite Sleepy's Firm Queen mattress, now just $2.99. You won't find this deal anywhere else. But hurry in, this sale ends Tuesday. Your budget stretches further at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. Valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com slash sale. Now back to Mentoring Moments with Denise Rastari. We're going to now get into the segment called, I'm done with that. So, <laughs> so I'll start and you can tell me something you're yeah. done with. 
but I I'm, love it. I'm done with women saying I'm going to do it for free, myself included. The other night I'm having dinner with a woman who was really high profile, used to be at the CIA, and she's talking about all the jobs she's doing for free now because it'll get me out there, it'll do this. And I said, that was three years ago when you left the CIA. At this point, they should people should be paying you highly for what you know and your intelligence and what you could do. You shouldn't be doing all this for free any longer. So I love on your website that you do on the B-School, you say, we do charge for this. I don't remember the exact words, yes. but it's like, we charge for this. And it's like, we're proud that we charge for this. And I want more young women to do that. Yes, you're the, what you're referring to is uh, actually at marieforleo.com, there's a link about how we roll. And for me, when we did a recent web redesign and a whole rebranding, I wanted people to understand, because sometimes they'll watch Marie TV and they'll be like, well, how do you make money? And I'm like, Marie TV, is my opportunity to share what I've learned as a coach and a businesswoman and just as a human, the things that I come across that I think are great ideas or share other people that I meet with the world completely for free. Marie TV will always be for free because I learned after reaching people, we have viewers in 193 countries. There are some folks who will never be able to afford B-School. It's not in their financial reality. Some of them may never even want to do the program and that's completely fine, but I still have a gift to give. Mm -hmm. And that's my way to do it in a very leveraged way. It's in my control. And the way that we fund Marie TV, the way that there's even resources to create that and to give that gift is that we have other training programs that are paid experiences. So don't begrudge us when we let you know about what we have that's a paid offering because there's there's room for all of it. But I love what you said. I think one of the things that we often see and we tackle in B-School is the whole concept of self-worth and charging what you're worth. And oftentimes, you know, I'm from Jersey, so I have a little bit of challenge in me just naturally in my DNA. And I'll come across often women who are like, oh gosh, no, that's too expensive. I'm like, too expensive for who? There's always a segment of every market that is happy to pay for a more premium experience. And that doesn't mean that you can't have things further down in your funnel that are either free or low priced, that are extremely high quality and that are able to serve. But you're doing yourself and a whole lot of others a disservice if you're not willing to at least investigate the portion of the market that you can deliver outstanding service at a more premium price. Yeah, I'm really with everyone thinking, you know, it's she, not just because we're women, but you're starting out. Can you do this for free? Can you do this for free? It's like, no, there are some things you do want to do for free to build your, I get that. I Absolutely. get that. But there is that point where you have to look at yourself and say, I also need to charge for something. I think that that's also about discernment too. You know, um, one of the strategies that I used when I was first starting out was I worked seven days a week. And I was happy to do so. I was happy to bartend and wait tables. I cleaned people's toilets. I was a personal assistant so that I wasn't a desperate life coach so that I could build my skills and coach people for free in the beginning to get my confidence up, to learn what was what, to understand how to really make a difference in people's lives. But I think you're right for no matter what you're doing. I've met, um, I often have this conversation with Josh, uh, my man who's an actor and he'll tell people, you know, when you're first starting out in the creative arts. Oftentimes you're doing student films for free, you know, you're showing up, you'll do whatever for free just to get that experience. But he always tells the story about there came a point in his career where he said, from this moment on, I'm a paid actor and just stuck that flag in the sand. And that was it. Things would still come in. And his first question was they're like, oh, the student film, we're shooting over in Washington Square Park. And he's like, well, how much does it pay? Right. Nothing. I'm not available. And all of us have to find that right point 
for ourselves. And it is an important flag to put in the sand and from that moment forward. And I think the other thing that's awesome about the online world and the digital landscape where we are today is if you have something that you really want to share for free, if there is a message, an idea, um, even if it's some kind of little tutorial, create it. Use it as a marketing tool for the rest of your business. You can have it on your blog. You can have it on your YouTube channel. You can put it out in social media. You can share things at scale with people for free and still charge well for your services. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I am so with you. And so what are you done with? Oh, goodness. Um, you know what I'm done with? I'm done with allowing distractions into my life. When I was um, on the way over here, I had a friend that had turned me on recently to a new app called Voxer. And it's like this little walkie talkie app. And um, she was great. She was like, hey, it's going to, you know, you'll remove all of the irritation of emails and text messages and some of the things that can just feel overwhelming for many of us. So much incoming, right? And I realized I have had this new app on my phone and I am deliberately not allowing it to push notifications to me. And it's really great. So um, what I'm done with is allowing technology or other people's agendas to interrupt my vision, my time, and my ability to make a difference. That's a huge one. Yeah. So what is the name of this app? So the app is called Voxer and it's a great right? app. So it's not that I, I actually really do love the app, but I was proud of myself for taking control of some of the defaults right. that sometimes are set up within technology that are actually set up to push things to you that all that does is just take you off track. Yes. You know, the other day I was trying to get some work done and I actually turned my computer off and started writing things out, which wasn't that productive. I should have just, you know, turned my internet off. Yeah. But it was like, I didn't even, because I was, if I was at the computer, I would check. It's that constant checking and checking. It is addictive. I mean, when you start to look at the neuroscience behind what technology is starting to do to some of our brains and our habits, for me, it's a really exciting area because um, it's vital that we take control. Just like earlier in, in our conversation, you were talking about, well, you can be the victim of your future. I think so many of us these days are becoming the victim of technology and not recognizing the choice we have in how we allow our attention to be utilized. And really our time, it's the most precious resource that we have. Yes. Non-renewable, yes. right? Yes. The clock but is I think as entrepreneurs, we don't always think that. Yeah. We think that our time is something that we can just give away because- yep. We have time. Yep. And I, I think that's probably one of the joys of getting older and more mature is you start to realize that's not true. And, you know, between friends and family and people that you love and when mortality starts to set in and you see people that you love pass or coming to the end of a really beautiful life, I think it's also an awesome wake-up call to say, hey, time is ticking and you really need to use this precious gift that we have in a way that matters, in a way that matters to you. And one more thing I want to make sure we touch on is that everything is figure outable. Oh, yes. Yes. So yes, yes, yes. Touch on that because I think that is such an important message. It is. So um, it's one of the things, a gift from my mom, actually, that she taught me from the time I was really, really little. My mom grew up um, with two alcoholic parents and she essentially grew up in poverty and she made herself a very strong promise that when she was old enough and she had her own family, that she was going to 
take care of them and just create a life that was better than what she had. So for me growing up, I spent a lot of time around our kitchen table and my mom teaching me how to cut coupons and, you know, save money and stretch a dollar around the block. And so my mom is one of those people that if anything breaks anywhere, you don't throw it out, you fix it. You figure out how to cobble it back together or make it work again. And so she taught me this whole philosophy that everything is figure outable, that no matter what you face in this life, what challenges up against you, whether someone's sick, something breaks, there's something that you want to get done. You don't just throw your hands up and say, well, I don't know how to do that. Or I've never done that before. Or I don't know how that works that you dive in and figure it out. And again, being Seeing her live that way my whole life and also hearing that message all throughout my childhood, I've grown up with this belief that everything really is figure outable. And for me, it's a meta belief. You know, our beliefs drive our behavior, which drives our destiny. And if you're willing to investigate what you truly believe in your mind and you're willing to perhaps upgrade some of that software, it can have tremendous long-term effects. And for me, this idea that everything is figure outable, if you really take that on and you live that to be true, you become virtually unstoppable. And it doesn't mean that everything will go your way. It doesn't mean that a solution will appear immediately. It doesn't mean that you're always going to win. It means you're never going to stop stepping up and doing whatever you can to move things forward. And moving things forward sometimes means forgiveness. Moving things forward sometimes means even surrender. But you never sit there and feel like the victim of your circumstances. You're always able to be the hero in your own world. And for me, that is a gift that just keeps on giving. It's funny. I I love that story because it reminds me so much of my dad would always teach me that and, and do it by showing me that we grew up poor, right? And so it was that but there's always a way. And he would always say that his ha- his glass is half full versus half empty, a different way of approaching it, right? And it's like when your glass is half full, then you can keep filling it up. It's a whole lot easier. So start there and know that your glass starts there and just keep filling it up. But I always look at things like there is, I was telling you earlier before the podcast and my refrigerator starts beeping. It has that beeping sound of when you have the door open and the door is closed. And I'm like, okay, holy shit, the door is beeping. The podcast is starting. (laughs) (laughs) What, how do I stop? And then I'm thinking, where else can I do the podcast? Where can I record? Your mind just goes there. My mind doesn't go to, oh my God. I can't do the podcast. It immediately goes into, okay, I can go to the Forbes office. Maybe I can call Maria. I can go to her place. Or maybe I could look inside the refrigerator and see what's making it beat. Like maybe there's a little button I can push, which, which it was, a little button I could push. But you're, I just thought of, because your mind goes into how do I fix it? Yes. How do I move it forward? Yeah. Not how do I like... I can't do it. Exactly. And I think that's, you know, and and sometimes for people, and sometimes I'll run up against this in spiritual circles where it's like, well, you can't make everything happen. And sometimes you have to just, you know, release it. And I said, yeah, that is absolutely true. But I think, and I'd make the argument that everything is figure outable just allows you to stay in a posture of power. It allows you to stay in a position of saying, I've got this. I may need to reach out and find some new information. I may need to sit and meditate and pray and allow some new insight to come to me, but I don't have to sit here and feel like a victim. I don't have to sit here and say my circumstances are going to control me. I am going to use the resources I have within me, the resources I have that I can touch with other people, and I'm going to figure out a way to find forward movement or find some peace or find a new path ahead. 
And I hope that our listeners remember a lot about our podcast today. If they take one thing away, it's that. Yeah. I think that is just a life changer when you know that everything is, I'll let you say it. Figure out. And now we are going to do our takeaway segment. Mentoring moments. Mentoring moments. Takeaway. Sometimes we bring in a second guest to listen to our conversation and then ask questions because I think it's really important to get other people's questions into our conversation. But today I was like, I don't know who I want for takeaway and everybody wanted to be here. And so I thought I'm going to ask a lot of people for their questions so we can get a lot of different minds into our conversations. Awesome. So I'm going to kick it off with somebody that we both know, who is Tammy Tibbetts, who is the co-founder of She's the First. So her first question to us is, when you have to get into the creative process, planning new episodes, new ideas, how do you do that? How do you break out of the hustle and bustle? Where do you go? What do you do to create that space? Great question. So Tammy always has great questions. She does. She's so smart. Love Tammy. Um, One of the things that we do, especially when it comes for Marie TV, I, whenever I find a good idea, I collect it. So I'll write it down in a Google doc. If I see something interesting in a magazine article, if I see an interesting news segment, anything out into the world that feels like it could be fodder or it could be kind of a little spark of creative juice that could be applicable to Marie TV, I'll go and put it in a Google doc. But then when it does come time to sit down and start to map out um, the next shoot and the next round of episodes, we actually plan in time. And I've learned my creative process to this point. I'm not one person that just sits down, bangs it all out, and then goes into shoot. I need to kind of marinate on ideas. So we'll have one session where folks on the team will present the best questions they feel like that have come in, anything that they've seen. And then I'll just digest all of the kind of everything they've put into the soup read it all through, and then I'll sleep on it and come back another day and start to refine and choose the questions that I want to answer, um, think about the guests that I might want to invite, and then I block out other time to actually start writing and answering and scripting all of the episodes. So it happens in uh, a stream. It doesn't happen in just one sitting, but the mechanism that we use is just purely blocked off schedule time. So that time, no phone calls, no emails. I am just by myself, whether it's in a studio, in my house, someplace else, that time is sacred time and I just don't allow it to be interrupted. And for me, that's really the key. It's less about um, anything specific or a place and it's more about the focus and the ability to do deep work without interruption. I, I find sometimes my space is that really that mental space. And as I said earlier, I do some of my best thinking in the shower. So when I'm really in that mode of I have to tap into my creativity, I try to do Pilates that morning because that gets me breathing, which I don't do. I mean, obviously I breathe, I'm alive, but I don't do that breathing of inhaling and exhaling. Then I, I like to go for a walk, especially if it's cold out, because then that gets my mind, that really kind of wakes me up. Taking a shower, as I said. Um, but, you know, it's one of the other things I've learned is I can do a lot of great work at Quotidian. Oh yeah. There's something about the buzz in that place. And I can't work like if there's music, I cannot listen to music and work, Mm -hmm. but there's something about that buzz there that I just puts me into a zone where I hear absolutely nothing. Yep. And just my own thoughts. And it gives me that create, I don't, there's something I don't, and I tell people that all the time. You have to find, if you want to find a space, whatever your space is, that could be in your house. That could be at the dog park, wherever it is. But for me, that just really works really well is to have that space. Um, and that's, 
And then sometimes, though, what do you do like when you just get into a total, do you ever get into a total block? Sometimes I just get into a total block. Yeah, that's usually I'll go take a spin class. Some form of intensive exercise, nine times out of 10, it's a spin class that um, if there's a problem that I'm having a hard time cracking or there's something that's a little naughty and I'm mm, seeing both sides of it, not really sure how I want to go, exercise is hands down the thing that unlocks all of the new ideas and the wisdom and the insight and it never fails. And then I got this tip and I, I agree, I think, and I think it makes your blood flow a little too, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. So I, I got this tip from Jane Fonda years ago. She had said that she has learned when she was writing her book that she cannot drink even the night before, even if it's mm. a glass of wine, that what she, when she started to become aware of herself, she noticed that even if she had a glass of wine that made her fuzzier the next day, that it just impacted her. So I'm really aware. And that, that made me really aware to look at that now and say, you know, don't drink, eat healthier, be hydrated because yep. if you're not hydrated, you can't be creative. But there are times where I'm just blocked. And my husband taught me a really good trick for writing is to always start with the word I. Mm. Even if you don't use it, that gets you into a different mental frame. So wow. if you start with saying, you know, so I had this experience, mm -hmm. your juices start flowing and then you can go back and change it to whatever, whatever you want. But it's like, so it goes against everything we learned in school, right? Like never start with I, you all never start with I, that would be too self-serving. Yeah. Okay. So here's another one. So this one is from B. Arthur, who's also been on the show. So B, not the one, this is funny. People are like, you know, B. Arthur's dead, but this is B. Arthur, <laughs> right? I tell this story. And so she had said, I've seen Marie on Oprah's Super Soul Sunday and would love to know what role spirituality plays in her life. So I consider myself a very spiritual person. I feel like it's integral to everything that I do. It's not as though I have it compartmentalized where it's like, now I'm going to go be spiritual, Marie, and, you know, think about the world in that way. I feel like we are spiritual beings intrinsically. And so the role that it plays in my life is it's a lens through which I look at everything. And I feel like as human beings, we are all connected. All life forms are connected and you have to come from that point of view. If you really want to create things that do the most good for the most people. And so I don't necessarily have a religious bent, to, to what I do, but I think in terms of connection and well-being and peace and prosperity for as many people as possible. So here's our last question okay. from the week crowdsourced. It's about failure. Yeah. So when you fail, how do you pick yourself back up? You know, it's, I look at my life and I look at our business and I say this to my team and I say this to other people. I feel like it's a big experiment. You know, for anyone to say, oh, this is a guaranteed, you know, strategy for success. We talk about this a lot in B-School too. I'll tell everyone straight up, hey, these are core principles to follow, delivering value, making sure you're creating outstanding customer experiences, listening to people, over-delivering. Those are things that we will do our best to do every single day. And we know tried and true, those are going to give us the best chances for success. But when it comes to a particular marketing strategy or a pricing strategy or anything that you want to create, it's all an experiment. No one knows. But what do you do when you fail? Right. Well, that's my point. If something doesn't work, we're like, okay, well, that didn't work. Right. What are we going to try next? I don't take it too personally. I don't take it too seriously, quite frankly. I'm so much more excited to move on. And uh, when things don't work, it's like, okay, like we kind of have a little bit of a laugh about it. If it's like something big and we need to vet and say, well, that really sucked in that. Su yeah. That just kind of feels like shit. Okay. Now what are we going to do? It's like 
okay, now what? So that's the way I deal with failure. It's look at what has happened. If there's anything to clean up or there's people to talk to or apologize to, or there's any actions to be taken to preserve relationships, of course. But then it's like, dude, who cares? Like, let's move on. Life is too short. So for me, that's kind of our team culture. Uh, Things go wrong all the time in business. Like that's part of the game. Like you're going to fail in little ways each and every day. But if you don't look at them as these massive failures, they're just learning experiences. And I'm not saying that that's, that can sound trite. Like, Oh, that's such the, the coaching thing to say, or that's such a positive spin on it, but it's actually the truth. And from a mental health perspective and from a growth minded perspective, it's the healthiest way to stay in action and to keep creating results and also to keep building your resilience. Yes. And I think the importance we put on some things right in the moment are so huge. Yeah. They're so huge. And you look back and I can say this with years and years of experience. I don't even remember some of the things, you know, on that tip, I also, whenever we have a stumble or a fall or there's a hard day, this is again, part of my hardwiring. I think about other people in the world and women in the developing countries and our lives are like cakewalks compared to most others and some others. And especially, you know, if you're listening to this and, and you're in the Western world, you're in the United States, it's like what our challenges are. Like, oh, I have too many emails. And, oh, I have too many interruptions. And oh, I can't figure out what it's like, shut up. Right. Like, and I'm saying this to myself. Right, I agree. I agree. Completely saying this to myself. So some of the things that we can, you know, get ourselves in a, our panties in a bunch over, right. it's like, wait a minute, let's have a little perspective and reality check it's probably not that bad. So that's why when it comes to, you know, quote unquote failures, I usually try and just, yeah, okay, whatever, let's, let's move on.org. Um, but 99% of things they're, they're not fatal. They're not final. And if you have a broader global perspective on what some challenges are that other folks are going through that we have no idea about, you really grow up fast. Yes. And we could go on forever and ever. I am such a huge fan of yours. So I want everyone to know where they can go to sign up for your newsletter, to see the TV shows, for find out information about B-School. So will you give us all the contact info? Absolutely. Everything can be found at marieforleo.com. So it's M-A-R-I-E-F-O-R-L-E-O.com. If you visit the site, you'll be able to find um, close to 300 episodes of Marie TV. They are absolutely all free. And if you're interested to learn more about B-School, you can go to join joinbschool.com, all one word, and everything's there. Thank you so much, Marie. I just really love doing this with you. Thank you. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I was really excited starting out the podcast, and now after being with Marie and talking with Marie, I'm super excited and super revved and charged to just go make things happen. So thank you for joining us today on Mentoring Moments. And to make sure you're getting Mentoring Moments the moment it's live every Wednesday, subscribe on iTunes. And while you're there, rate and review. It's really easy. And check out my show notes on Forbes.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts about, are you defining your future? Are you or someone you know in a financially abundant but spiritually bankrupt situation at work or at home? And now that you know that everything is figureoutable, what will that change for your future? You can easily find me. I'm always on Twitter, at Denise Ristari. 
And until next week, keep sharing your stories because your stories matter. Download new episodes of Mentoring Moments every Wednesday at podcastone.com, forbes.com, the Podcast One app, or you can subscribe at iTunes. Hey, it's Layla from Layla Ali Lifestyle on Podcast One. Now as an undefeated boxing champion turned fitness and wellness expert, I'm going to be bringing you the information that you want to hear. Be a champion in every area of your life. You can download new episodes of Layla Ali Lifestyle every Thursday at PodcastOne.com or subscribe at iTunes. It's the semi-annual sale at Mattress Firm. For a limited time, get huge savings of up to $500 on our top-rated mattresses. We have more than 15 beds with over four-star ratings on sale store-wide. Like our fan-favorite Sleepy's Firm Queen mattress, now just $2.99. You won't find this deal anywhere else. But hurry in, this sale ends Tuesday. Your budget stretches further at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. Valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com slash sale. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. London police have arrested Julian Assange on extradition charges to the United States, as well as for violating his bail. Assange is accused of publishing classified documents through WikiLeaks. In 2010, he told Sky News he was worried about what the U.S. might do to him. The United States recently has shown that its institutions seem to be failing. Uh, They are failing to follow the rule of law. And with dealing with a superpower that does not appear to be following following the rule of law is a serious business. He also said in 2010 the U.S. officials had threatened him and those associated with him. There has been many calls by senior political figures uh, in the United States, uh, including elected ones in the Senate, uh, for my execution, uh, the kidnapping of my staff. Edward Snowden, the former security contractor who leaked classified information about U.S. surveillance programs, says the arrest of Assange is a blow to media freedom. I'm Rita Foley.